hello and welcome to another episode of Exploring the Multiverse. This episode is part of a series of interviews where I, Maor Sadra, CEO at Incremental and your host, interview friends from the industry who share their opinion about hypothetical what-if scenarios that will likely never happen. Or would they? In today's episode, I'm really happy to have spoken with Andy Carvel. Andy is a partner and one of the co-founders of Feature, a globally recognized award-winning mobile growth consultancy and agency. Andy and I spoke about generative AI, utopia and dystopia. It was a really captivating interview and I hope you'll enjoy listening to it. Hi Andy. Um, Hi Moore. It's the second time you're being featured on our podcast. Uh, On our podcast and uh, the reason why I also wanted to like to click recording me is to tell you I, I really enjoy talking with you every time we have an opportunity to talk I really enjoy it you are a genuine person you are a veteran you have a ton of experience so uh, it's again a pleasure and an honor meeting you again and speaking with you yet thank you myor and the feeling is very much mutual I'm glad I'm glad So um, again, since we do have like I guess for the this is like the third series, so we're gonna have probably some new listeners. So Andy, please give a short introduction about yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Andy Carvel. Uh, I'm the co-founder and partner of a company called Feature, spelt with a PH, P-H-I-T-U-R-E. Uh, we're a mobile growth consultancy and agency based in uh, Berlin, uh, Germany, but uh, kind of servicing mobile app and games clients worldwide. Very well known by the way um, and yeah so in this series and I think I gave you like a little bit of like a premise so like we go into what ifs okay what ifs that are most likely not going to happen so it's a thought exercise but mm-hmm. again we've been in this industry long enough we know that everything could happen okay mm-hmm. um, now yeah I, I sent you a bunch of questions and I'm really really interested to hear kind of like your thoughts um, and starting with the first one so Like of course, I guess you've seen the news like generative AI is everywhere. okay Google just announced what was this like music generative AI and actually mm-hmm. like compose songs, which by the way, is a former musician, I'm afraid on such a future. but uh, if you now think of generative AI, okay and let's go for what if what if uh, generative AI is able to create personalized apps and games, including all of the creative assets um, By the end of this year, how mm-hmm. would that affect the industry? Yeah, I absolutely love this question because it's basically the intersection of two of my sort of biggest passions, which is like the first one being mobile and the second being sort of dystopian sci-fi. And this is, this is the perfect intersection of those two topics. Uh, not just dystopian, by the way, it's also utopian. But um, uh, honestly, I think the only... Part of this question, which is incredible or you know unrealistic, is the by the end of this year part, the timeline. you know, uh, and I don't think it's too far off, to be honest. I think it's probably two to three years out if I'm going to be a little bit bullish on the acceleration of AI, and I do think that it's going to accelerate pretty rapidly from here. Um, I think we're probably a couple of years away from mass market user level personalized content of all types. Now you mentioned music, right that, There are like you know general AI models now in the public domain or or so in, in in public at least published um you know that are you know building blocks uh there for you know AI generative music literature video including by the way I saw just yesterday um 
video that can be immediately transposed into you know any language with with lip syncing so like suddenly you know voiceovers is you know is is no longer an industry or at least you know soon soon going to be relatively disrupted you know instant translation with lip syncing crazy um you know um ai can already write better code than many qualified developers uh and i say that you know as a former developer um, you know, it's I, and the the best developers I know now are you know often leveraging AI, um, both for you know debugging and for you know augmenting their code, um, or just literally just doing a lot of the the grunt work, frankly, like that's involved in in development. Um, you know, so basically all of the kind of key building blocks for creating these you know completely AI generated content is already there. Um, and it's already pretty good, you know, suddenly this is the year where AI got good, you know, and, uh, and from here, I think we're at the base of an almost vertical acceleration curve. Um, you know, it's going to be so steep that it's going to completely disrupt society and, you know, what it means to be human, quite frankly. And, and that, that's where it gets dystopian, but also, you know, I think it's going to be uh, you know, it's going to be scary. It's going to be wondrous. It's going to be astounding. It's going to be unsettling. Uh, and it's going to be really fucking weird. And it's going to happen really quickly. Um, but to get sort of back on track to the mobile apps, you know, um, I think the idea that, you know, I'll be able to sort of just think of an app or, you know, explain the problem that I'm trying to solve and I'll be able to get an app which solves it, you know, like there's this, this sort of general kind of joke, which is actually not a joke. It's totally true that there's an app for that. There's an app for everything. There is already pretty much an app for anything. You can think of an idea for an app. You can probably find five of them in the store already. Probably two of them are free, um, you know, and that's with people behind them creating them. Now, if you can just describe it to a machine and then have, have a machine create you an app of a, you know, of a high quality that really kind of like solves your problem, and then the, you know, the next step where I guess it gets more dystopian potentially is, you know, think about that in, in all forms of content, not just apps, but TV shows. You know, I could, you can binge watch 20 seasons of a TV show, which, you know, not just is something which you will like, but it's been designed only for you, like specially for you from an AI that knows you better than any person that you felt like you had a strong connection with, you know, and he, he, like, it's, it, you know, it's going to really alter our definition of what it means to be human. Um, and it's also going to really disrupt this idea of a shared existence and, uh, and shared appreciation of, of art and culture, because people will be able to disappear into like rabbit holes of, you know, completely personalized content. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting. Do you, do you see it as actually like when when we start thinking about it? So, but again, uh, are we talking about essentially a, like a commercial company that creates an engine where us as users can say, "Hey, this is the game I want," for example? And essentially, that's their business, and it's competing mm -hmm. against like the let's call it now legacy gaming companies that we know, gaming companies we work with, other companies that we work with. Essentially, mm -hmm. is that the concept we are looking at, or are we looking at the all of the companies essentially going into that direction where there are certain elements that are like the IP of companies that they maintain. It's a really good question. I hadn't even really considered it from the commercial angle, I have to say. I just got too too carried away with the sci-fi part of it. You know, the fact that 
you know, this technology already exists to a large extent, and it will be kind of increasingly plugged together and in, you know, different configurations that will allow and enable this to happen. Um, you know, who pays for it and who makes money from it? Uh, I am like, yeah, I haven't given that much thought. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm sure there'll be winners and losers. I think there'll be, you know, clearly like uh, traditional artists and con content creators are, you know, potentially going to be on the losing side of that. If, um, you know, if they're not able to evolve to, to harness and leverage AI. Um, and yeah, in terms of like companies that will, will benefit from that, I, I think it's probably, for me at least, a little bit too early to tell, um, you know, who's going to be the big winner. Certainly if you look at like, who are going to be the next, you know, giant sort of mega corps out there. I think open AI is uh, definitely on its way there right now. Um, you know, so I think we're entering this new phase where, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of disruption in terms of like market cap of like, you know, the, the, the giant corps out there that are really winning. Um, so I think in the early days, it's going to be those, those companies that are providing these sort of generalized generative AI models. But um, yeah, indeed, you know, if I just think about that, in real like, time. By the way, on the commercial side, so like mm. I must tell you that it's like it um, it makes me think quite a bit. So OpenAI, like ChatGPT, basically now recently started the subscription model, right? Forty-two bucks, mm -hmm. uh, meaning of life, uh, forty-two bucks a month for essentially priority access. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, when you think of the Google um, the Google AI that essentially composes songs and music and it co compose pretty much whatever genre you want as well. Mm -hmm. What if tomorrow's number one billboard uh, song is an AI generated? Who gets royalties? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I'm sure one that the uh, the major labels and the publishing uh, collection authorities, uh, collection societies are, you know, should be starting to to think about. Um, you know, I I, used, I was at, I was working at SoundCloud for four and a half years, so I'm I'm pretty familiar with the the, the business model of the traditional music industry and. You know that model didn't change that much when streaming came in. Um, you know all of the the old guard, you know the cartel of the major labels and the hundreds of collection societies that exist. You know there's there's multiple typically per per country or per region um, who collect collect um, royalties on behalf of the artists. You know that all kind of um, you know stayed more or less intact. Um, you know, the labels essentially kind of made sure that they got a cut of of everything that was happening in the streaming business. So um, then it way in a way a question could be is the infrastructure we have around us. So again, if you take the music industry and I guess you've probably seen the Netflix um, Spotify documentary on like the the wrestle essentially between uh, Spotify and the music uh, industry. If I, I have to say, I, I haven't seen that, but I'm going to oh, watch it's, it now. Oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like something I would love. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so if you think of kind of like, again, the industry as being, uh, you know, um, regulations and laws and mm. obviously mega corporations and so on, you think the system is essentially designed to hold back this progress or this progress is going to happen irregardless? It's, it's, it's the next wave of disruption for sure. And I think this is probably the, you know, the minor end of, of the kind of disruption we're going to see from AI. Uh, and I'm certainly not going to cry too many tears for um, you know, for the record labels, if they if they lose a few uh, few euros on um, you know on royalties, but um, uh, you know, in all honesty, like they've got the system so sewn up at the moment, I think it's going to take a while to adapt. Like if we think about it right now, um, now publishing, of course, is 
you know, you don't necessarily need a record label to, you know, to go out and, and distribute music these days. And if you create the AI with music, right, you can, you, yeah, sorry, 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 create the music with AI, um, then, you know, you're not, you're not spending anything really to, to create the music. The AI is doing, doing the work. Uh, I guess you can still claim copyright on your AI generated work. If you're the one that prompt, you know, create came up with the prompt, I think that's going to become the new creativity is like, how do you, you know, get the best out of the AI through, you know, creative prompts and stuff like this. Right. So, so let's say that I, you know, if I um, distribute my, my next record and it gets to, to number one um, and I used an AI to generate it, you know, that, that's not that much different from, you know, using some, royalty-free sample kits and stuff in a, in a sequencer program and, you know, releasing that. Right. So um, I think that the basic system today would still ensure that I got paid. Certainly the collection societies will go along and, and collect money from any performance of music um, pretty much regardless of like whose music it is. And then they just distribute it to the members of those societies. It's another big gang basically. Right. Like, um, and I, if I sound a bit, annoyed by that it's because i had a, a i have a friend who she she owned a cafe that had an open mic night uh here in berlin now, this is open mic so basically people could come in they could perform a song if they wanted to it could be something they've written often was something that they composed and, and created themselves it could have could be also stand-up comedy there's a lot of people just came and did comedy spoken word stuff um she got put out of business by gamer which is the connect collection society in germany they just came along, I guess they have like an army of interns, or maybe now they can probably just do it with um, with a bot or an AI that basically crawls like all of the like advertising ever to find like hot, hot keywords like open mic, right? They, they, they got onto her and said, they wrote her a letter saying, hey, we see you've got an open mic night. Um, you need to pay us for that because you're going to have music performed at that. You're going to be playing music to an audience. We need to get paid. And she's like, oh, but you know, this is not like professional performers. There's nobody, no gamer artists playing at this event and they're like no it doesn't matter you have to pay us it's like x thousand you know per, like per year to you know to to do this um and you know this has been upheld in the german courts again and again um now of course it varies by by jurisdiction by country as to how powerful these um collecting societies are but certainly if we take germany as a model they'll get paid even if an ai made all the did all the work and uh, they'll give it to their artists Based on what you say, though, the question of the what if is not a question. It, it will happen. Okay. In, in my it, mind, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a, a question it's a given, of when. Just, just the timeline. Exactly. You should watch that Netflix, Spotify series. It's a, it's a drama series. So it's like, again, it's a documentary in a way, or at least no one knows if it's real or not, but it's great. Mm -hmm. It's great. You would love it for sure. Uh, I, I certainly will. It's going to be on now, my wish list. If we talked about like uh, mega corporations and essentially sometimes, you know, um, putting the stop against creativity and so on, we can segue to the next what if question. Hmm. So we, we both know when the app stores uh, basically started, initially it was a lot of paid apps, but then it became free to play with in-app purchases and ads. And when it came to the in-app purchases, what the app stores basically did was they said, okay, we, we have this infrastructure for you. We're going to charge a fee. Okay, we're going to take mm -hmm. a fee. That's going to be 30%. So over time, of course, we knew that some changes happen, like on subscription apps, you have like the second year and then up like mm -hmm. on Apple, you'd have up to the first million, a developer will only be uh, with paying a fee of 15%. But 
we are now more than 10 years like away. Um, what if the like app stores tomorrow morning decide we're going to drop this fee 5%? What's going to happen? Yeah. So uh, first of all, I'm, I'm going to say I, I think this is highly unlikely that Apple will voluntarily do this. Um, but I love it as a thought experiment. I love this whole format, by the way. I really, really love this uh, this conversation. So um, yeah. So what if they would reduce their their store tax to five percent? I'll start off by saying that you know, like you know, Apple gets bashed a lot for this, and Google, by the way, they're more or less in lockstep on their pricing, right? But um, you know, the, the the platforms get bashed a lot for um, for this tax as it's called but you know i think you you rightly said that they're they're actually providing a lot of infrastructure and you know there's a lot of stuff that you get with that you know all of the billing is taken care of they take care of the the tax um sales taxes in all the different regions um makes um regional pricing bundling like relatively straightforward you know there's a, a hell of a lot that you actually get for that 30 percent. so it's definitely not just a tax in you know in, in a sort of a a broad sense but um you know nevertheless for sure there are other payment options uh, payment providers out there you know that, that provide at least at least the ability to, to process payments you know a lot cheaper than apple so I, I totally understand you know why this gets to people um and why people often think that there should be a way around it or that you know apple should be forced to to remove it so just just as a sort of a, a context for my rest of my answer um you know, I think it would be, of course, potentially quite exciting for a lot of app publishers out there and games publishers because it might kind of open up the market a little bit. It kind of reduces the barrier to to entry or sort of increases the sort of chance of success for monetizing particularly certain types of content. Um, ironically enough, I'm going to go briefly back to music licensing. I'm really not, not going to try and dominate the entire podcast with 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 that topic but you know from my time at soundcloud and and from you know everything i just just mentioned about you know li licensing and, and labels and, and collection societies like i know that content platforms that have content on there that, that they have to pay royalties and, and licensing fees on i think are the ones that suffer the most from these kind of kind of blanket charges because it really kind of they're operating on slim margins as it is um and then to lose 30 percent you know, of that margin is uh, it, it can basically make some businesses pretty unviable, which is why, you know, Spotify has never gone through, you know, charging, like, you know, offering their subscription through Apple um, because presumably they've done the math on this and realized that they wouldn't have a business. You know, I don't think Spotify is making tons of profit or I, I'm not, not, not actually up to date if they're making a profit these days, but I think if they are, they're like barely profitable. Um, and that's, you know, after many years of being in business. Uh, so, you know, if you take 30% out of that, they're, they're probably in the red. Um, whereas if it was 5%, um, they may well move their, their payments over to, you know, to going through the platforms. They would probably have a bigger audience, even, you know, even bigger than their in terms of market penetration. So it would benefit folks who are licensing content of all kinds and have to pay license fees. Um, it might also benefit, um, I think, some of the, you know, the indie developers out there, the folks who are really like, you know, the sort of mom and pop app developers or the the, the bedroom app developer who, you know, it's a, their main source of income, you know, it actually would would put a lot, a fair bit more money in their pocket. And I think that would be a good thing for mom diversity. Uh, interesting. But um, who do you, so 
So we know who is going to likely like gain from it. Mm-hmm. Who actually has something to, like would Apple and Google really miss out on substantial opportunity or revenue by doing this? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to... Um... It's hard to be too worried about Apple and Google's profits, given, given the scale of their businesses and the, you know, sort of arguably monopoly type position that, uh, you know, that they're, they're in um, with their respective, you know, domains. Um, so, yeah, I mean, would it, would it hurt their, their revenues? For sure, it's going to hurt them. They're not going to do it voluntarily, as I say. But, you know, I think, I do think that there's a non-zero chance that they'll be forced to lower those those um those app store fees, right? There's sort of a a general kind of grumbling. We've obviously had like folks like Elon Musk grumbling about it <laughs> quite publicly lately, um, as he, you know, trying he trying to make out that he discovered what we know for like ten years. Exactly, it's just like it's <laughs> it's suddenly big news that Apple's charged with taxes, like it's been a big secret or something. It's been quite quite yeah. clear to everybody who's actually been doing apps, yeah, that, that this is the case. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's. You know, I think if Google, let's say, did this unilaterally or let's say, I don't know, let's say TikTok launch an app store somehow, which is difficult unless they also launch a phone. But that's also not out of the question, I guess. Um, You know, then if there's, you know, either a new entrant or, you know, an existing incumbent that massively drops their prices, then, of course, you know, Apple might need to to kind of adjust to that. I I can't actually even see them doing it, even if Google would would cut their prices massively because... If we think about the the development community, I don't think they're going to suddenly stop supporting iOS just because it suddenly becomes more profitable to, you know, uh, to to sell subscriptions with with Google. I, I think they'll still do both. Um, so I think the but only I guess way the, I guess the the advertising investment would really 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 change again. Let's say if you have mm-hmm. a so think about it in physical terms. If you have the two restaurants in two different locations and one of them um, is essentially generating substantially more profit because suddenly your landlord decided to drop your rent by 25%, yeah. you're going to invest your marketing in the like better location. Sure, the marketing and, and also, you know, development budget, I think. Like, you know, I think what Android has, has often suffered from, but for multiple reasons, um, you know, it's generally kind of quite often we see, you know, when, when we go in as a feature and, and start helping companies to, you know, to, to optimize various parts of their app marketing, um, we see sort of a feature disparity between the iOS version and the Android version. The Android version is often not given so much like development resource as well. So I think quite quite aside from marketing budget um, shift, you might also see that more more development budget shift towards Android, which I think would probably harm iOS longer term as the the quality of apps would improve on on Google. But uh, yeah, I I don't think it would be like a suddenly like you know something that. From one day to the next would would really hurt Apple too much. Uh, I think I think probably the the way that it's you know if if this if they would really drop it to five percent, I think it would have to be through regulatory pressure. Not least because I'm pretty sure Google are not going to voluntarily drop theirs five percent. So actually, that was my question. Like, what could uh, increase the likelihood of this like scenario happening? Yeah. So we we've, we've seen I think you know sort of a slowly escalating. Um, sort of reg, you know, regulatory investigations and sort of uh, enforcement uh, around mon- monopolistic and anti-competitive practices. Um, you know, for it, you know, for for the app stores, you know, for for Google and Apple, I think they're both coming under more scrutiny. Um, 
not just in the US, but in the EU. Um, I think there was a ruling in Korea a year or so back where Google was forced to allow alternative payments in the, the yeah. Play Store. Well, and Apple, I think, as well, in Korea. Ah, might have been, yeah. Um, quite yeah. possible. I, I actually visited Korea for the first time last year. Um, I went to Seoul. I was, was um, you know, fortunate enough to be invited out there to speak at a, a conference that Airbridge were hosting. Um, uh, great company, by the way, and great conference. It's called Modern Growth Stack. Um, and I, I had a great time there. And, um, you know, what I what I did realize is like Korea is a really interesting market for mobile apps. It's like really dominated by Samsung um, and Kakao. Uh, these are like the two big players in that market. And, and uh, if you don't have the Kakao apps on your phone, Kakao Maps, um, Kakao, um, I think they have also like a payment yeah. um, method. And there's also Samsung Pay, right? If you can't, you, you, I wasn't able to pay with Apple Pay in the shops. I was well, not able to not able to get an Uber because um, they're not there. Um, you know, you had to get uh, a Kakao taxi and you had to pay with Samsung Pay or, you know, something else. So, you know, my iPhone wasn't much good there anyway. Um, so it's probably like, you know, I, I, it's an interesting market from, from many respects, but I noticed that Google, for example, have also rolled out like what they're framing as a trial of third-party payments in India. And I think that was also due to reg regulatory pressure uh, as well as maybe, you know, certain other market characteristics, but um, yeah. So I, I think, I think they might do it preemptively to avoid, you know, being broken up Microsoft style. Um, but uh, I don't think they're going to do it without a, existential threat to their future so so you think basically it's going to be the kind of like a pressure from regulators like expediting this the only way that i see it happening yeah. cool. uh for last question andy it's more about you so the the, the title of this like podcast series is um exploring the multiverse because we're talking about you know a potential universe where all of these scenarios already happen now what love it what what is Andy doing in another universe? <laughs> uh, he's um he's sitting in a a quiet uh, writer's retreat, maybe somewhere um, off the grid, um, you know, away from all of this uh, AI disrupted chaos, um, writing dark dystopian fiction. <laughs> Probably about some of the future we are existing in, Indeed. like we're 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 living through. Cool. So, Andy, um, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for your um, for your thoughts and opinions on these topics. That, like, you know, we both agree that could happen. Yeah, my my pleasure, my uh, you know, genuinely really enjoyed this. I, I I just have to put the question back to you though. What is uh, what is multiverse Maor doing? Or, or multiverse, one, one multiverse Maor ideally is a rock star musician. Um, nice. Yeah. Earl Jam, full fighter style. That's that's what he's doing. You you were a rock star in your in your past, I believe. Right? Yeah, I was a musician. I was performing. I played multiple instruments. I have some recordings out there. They're like rock songs in Hebrew, original music, which I don't publish too much uh, these days. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm like mega curious about this, uh, especially this like music uh, music AI generator or mm -hmm. like actually like you know even the personalized games and so on. Uh, the, the problem is that, you know, like, so when it comes to music, like, I have a skill, I have a talent as well. But when mm. it comes to, let's say, um, creativity or games, for example, I wouldn't really know, like, I, I just started recently playing The Last of Us, like on PlayStation, which is... Incredible. Oh, yeah. 
Love, he, I love, I love the game. I've played it through yeah. all the way through one and two, but then also just got the remastered version for PS5, and, and me and my friend were playing it through again on the remastered version. I couldn't come up with it. Like, if I, you know, if I had the ability to, let's say, create a personalized AI game, like do this, do this, do this, mm-hmm. I would be very much limited by my own thoughts. And I think this is kind of like what I always liked about the artistic and creative world is that um, take my music taste, for example. I like a lot of like type of musicians and a lot of genres and so on. It doesn't mean that if I had the engine to just create music, I could come up with a Whitney Houston song or a Foo Fighters song because I have my own like um, background and so on. And I think in a way I kind of see it as like AI, I think should be a tool where like people with the imaginative power will be able to essentially create. And honestly, I want the royalties to go to them. Not to the, uh, of course, the developers, the company creating the engine, of course, needs to also earn. But I would really want to support the person that whose mind came up with this. And I would also like, again, the ability to personalize mm-hmm. in my own taste and so on, like things that bug me or things that I would like more. The Last of Us, for example, I would love to have like unlimited ammo. That would be nice. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty brutal on the ammo. Yeah, because yeah, I, I suck and I die all the time in the game. But uh, yeah. that's kind of like that. I, I, I wouldn't be able to come up with the same like creative ideas. I mean, I think that, you know, as, as, as I, you know, where we started off with this, I think our understanding of and definition of creativity is probably going to going to change. When we see, you know, when, when we're already seeing what what AI can do, and I know that there's a lot of, I think, very reasonable debate and, in some cases, outrage, you know, from from the artistic community about, you know, what you know what what's happening here and how this AI is able to suck up and get inspired by everything else that's being created by humans, and then, you know, kind of put that together into new forms. But you know, arguably, that's that's what art is anyway, right? Um, you know, everybody it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Um, but uh, but this but the the AI generated music thing. You know, like uh, my favorite book is called Neuromancer. It's about an AI. Uh, it's by William Gibson. Uh, it's about an AI that's trying to um, connect itself with another AI to basically create a sort of a new, much more powerful kind of form of consciousness. And AI is pretty heavily regulated at that point. Um, so there's a lot of there's government agencies and stuff trying to stop this happening because you know they they know that it would kind of be you know mega disruptive. Um, so AIs are you know they're under pretty tight control, but this of course they're smart, and so it's uh, it's finding ways to kind of get things done by manipulating people in the real world. And um, and one group of people that it, it finds a way to manipulate are living on a space station off planet um, in orbit around the moon or something, and um, and they're they're a, a Rastafarian community, um, and it creates and broadcasts over some radio frequencies that it knows that they're monitoring, um, a, what they call a righteous dub, like this uh, this crazy, amazing music that they think is so good it must come from God, and then it's that they they think that they're communicating with God, because it 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 plays this music which just hits all of their buttons, you know, and that's. But you know, this this is what's in my mind when I think about you know generative AI and generative music. I, I think, wow, you it, know, it's, it... it's both exciting and scary. So I think the next uh, let's say three to five years are going to be basically that exciting slash scary. Um, 
I don't think we can even imagine where things will end up on. That's the point. It's, it's the yeah, honor. It's, 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 it's going to get weird. Yeah, but I think it's not bad. I think it's generally good, but it's funny. I'm saying it's generally good because I'm like even skeptic <laughs> with my myself there. But anyway, um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you yes. so much. Uh, likewise. Yeah, thank you. Cool. And have a nice rest of the day. Thanks very much. Cheers, Mel.